0: conversations that inspire. I'm Jess Baker from Journey to a Better Place and in this podcast we're going to explore all the things that I just can't get enough of like spirituality, meditation, positive psychology, living a conscious life and living a life aligned to your soul's purpose. We'll speak to seekers from around the globe who are just like you and I who share their stories to inspire us and offer us wisdom and insight from their journey. Thanks for joining me on your journey to a better place. So today's guest I'm really, really excited to introduce you guys to. It is a woman who is very wise, both in this world and in the the spiritual world. She is, I'm honoured to call her a friend. She's also a writing coach to me and an editor and someone that I just learned so much of spiritually. I guess also being a writer herself has a beautiful way to articulate her thoughts and express herself and I have wonderful conversations with her. So I'd like to introduce you to Denise doc winkler today so thank you for joining us denise
1: thank you jess what a lovely introduction
0: so i guess today i just wanted to have a conversation around spirituality because it's something that you and i often spend a lot of time talking about and you have so much wisdom to impart so i'm really excited to see what comes out where where it goes
1: Wow, you just opened up down Pandora's
0: box, didn't you? <laughs> I know, I'm thinking, oh, jeez, we only have probably an hour or so. And, you know, you and I can talk about this for lifetimes, I think. So we'll, um, I'm sure this won't be our our only conversation together. So I guess before we get started, I'd, I'd like to understand what is your um, definition, I suppose, of spirituality because it means different things to different people or or people have different ways in articulating it so what does spirituality mean to you?
1: Well very simply spirituality is being I disagree with the concept of spirituality being a part of human experience i disagree that it is something that you have to work at and strive for and um and become it is simply the essence of our being is spirit and so spirituality is that being what we're meant to be Mm.
0: that was a huge insight that I had as well. I remember I had to do a talk at the Spiritualist Union and I was really nervous. Mm. I wasn't doing a demonstration or anything. I was really nervous because I felt like a bit of a fraud. I felt like I don't see spirit like I would see you sitting there across from me now, or if 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 we were in the same room, if you weren't on Magical Hawaii, Mm. (laughs) instead of cold and rainy Melbourne. (laughs) but I wouldn't see you like that so I felt like I was a fraud and thought who am I to talk to people about spirituality and it occurred to me exactly what you said there that we are spirit ourselves and I think lots of people talk about nature or spirit being something different or something that's separate from us but in fact it is us, that it's it's everything,
1: isn't it? yes and and i spent a long time a long time of my life this lifetime anyway searching for just the right answer or just that secret place where where spirituality or enlightenment or awareness or consciousness or whatever vocabulary people want to throw out there looking for it searching for it Um, changing my personality and my lifestyle and my diet and my body and my hair and my everything about me to be a spiritual person when I was all the time during all of that search. I just thought that other people's ideas and philosophies on spirit was more correct than my own. And really my, my highest spiritual, my, I realised that by turning and looking within that that essence of who I was was exactly what I was supposed to and trying and needed to be, me.
0: Mm. And was that a process for you or did something happen for you to realise that it's, it's inside you, that it's you?
1: Both. There was a quite a a long process of trying to be the right thing, um, be the right kind of person, be the mother, the wife, the employee, the daughter, the, you know, every meet everyone's expectations to be that thing that I was looking for. And then. The thing that happened that really helped me understand that was my husband died eight years ago. Um, the husband I liked, I say, <laughs> John Winkler, died of cancer. And that was the my biggest fear. My biggest fear was that love of my life and the husband that I liked would die. And he did. Um, And I wasn't sure that I wanted a life, a mortal life, this life, being on this planet, this plane without him. But what his death taught me was that even though his body was not here, our spirits were and are still connected. Mm -hmm. And so he helped me see that the love between us did not disappeared did not was not destroyed because his body was no longer alive Mm. and so that was not um healing over the years has been very healing but it also helped me with that realization that I am spirit Mm. and the essence of me is spirit and that's all that really there is Mm
0: how do you
1: experience him now how do i experience john now yeah um oh so many ways um (laughs) uh there's there's has been from the moment of his death physical signs and a lot of them are the typical ones uh, rainbows and feathers and um flowers washing up roses washing up at the beach when i am there around the time of his death or our anniversary or when i need them to be um his thoughts uh, his comments about my life or my actions come into my head i have i just have a sense of him don't know else how else to explain that <laughs> Uh, I just have a sense of him being with me.
0: I find that to be one of the difficult, I I guess maybe difficult's not the best word, you might know a better word. (laughs) One of the difficult things around spirituality is that it's like as soon as you try and put it into language, it diminishes it.
1: And yes, Exactly.
0: And it's hard because the language that I would use is obviously very different to the language that you would use. So it's sort of, I think that's in part responsibility for creating a little bit of that separateness and people thinking that I'm not spiritual because I'm not experiencing what that person is, where in fact maybe they are experiencing that exact same thing but articulating it in a different way or unable to
1: articulate it. Well, I explain that this way, because um, based on the multiple braining and, and science would explain it this way, language has to do with the mind, and language is a construct of the mind. And so the mind does not really understand or know or, or is able to communicate things of the heart or the spirit. So any language that has to do with those things that are metaphysical, emotional, feelings, um, spiritual kinds of knowing, awareness, consciousness, are just at best a really bad attempt to describe what it actually is.
0: Hmm. So you mentioned earlier about perhaps you lived um, previous lives. So tell me a little bit about that. Like, Do, do we live, tell me your thoughts around previous, past lives and, uh, I don't know, future lives. And
1: Well, I guess it's based in my belief that time is, does not exist. We know that both scientifically and um, metaphysically and spiritually and from philosophy but my belief is that time doesn't exist and that i am spirit pure spirit so and currently having a, a a human physical experience now however the the being that i am knows much more than this brain and this this personality has experienced in this lifetime so i I am not going to argue about whether it's these this knowing of previous things and future things is because I've been in a physical body before, or it's Mm -hmm. in my way of thinking a little more of a connection to the Oversoul or the collective, or there's a lots of names for it, but um, where my spirit is connected with many spirits has the knowledge and knowing from all of them mm. so you know, in a way i can i can tap into that knowing and whether it's been through having lived a life in this in another body before or now it doesn't really make a difference because all time is now and so <laughs> I can know that.
0: Mm. As you were talking there, I was getting images of like water, like a puddle of water sort of things and it's water but then it sort of can separate off. So I don't know if you were to take a cup out or if you are able to sort of separate that water a bit, if it was sitting on a table and sort of separate it, it's still all the same thing and eventually will come back and join water again, like because water doesn't disappear, right like it's just in that cycle in
1: different states right yep. so, but it's still water it's yeah. still h2o it's it's still how whatever state you you know condition ice steam, vapor, plasma what whatever. H2O can be in it's still H2O it's still water Mm. so water in the ocean water in the ocean can't be separated and not become not water Yeah. if it evaporates it's still water Mm. when it condenses and rains it's still water it's frozen in iceberg it's still water (laughs) tell me a little bit about
0: Okay. okay No, go ahead. I was just going to say, like, the, the, the idea of no time will blow some people's minds. And, well, that's... Some people may be even so fixed in, in a way of thinking that they might be listening to this and think, oh, gee, she's a crazy lady. <laughs> um, so tell me... Help me understand that a little bit, if you can. Like, how, how do people who have always been taught to believe that time is a constant linear thing. How may they start to expand their mind to get a grasp of what you're talking about or, or what resources could they look into to explore that a
1: little bit more? Oh, tons of resources. Um, probably start with Einstein and his theory of relativity and time is relative. Depending on your position, um, so there's a the science scientific explanation for time being non-existent. There's also philosophical and spiritual explanations for that. Um, I think that to me, the strongest way to experience there is no time is daydreaming. So you can daydream and daydream you're in Hawaii on a sunny beach close to the water and you can imagine being there for two weeks when in your body and time only possibly seconds have passed. Mm. So which is real? Mm.
0: Yeah, that's cool. When you start to realise that time's a little bit flexible, it, it can be really fun, right? Like, have you ever been in that experience where you're running late and you're like, okay, just start to bend, bend time? Like, you know, I actually did that before, before we jumped on. I was like, oh, bugger, okay, I've got to, you know, I want to get my cup of tea and I want my hot water bottle because I'm cold. And then so I was just like, send that message out there. Like, okay, I want everything ready. You know, by this time, and the majority of times that does it works out. Like it's amazing how time can stretch and change. When you think you're going to be late or you think you can't fit something in, how it, it just
1: magically works. Well, it's funny that you mention that because when I first started playing with the idea about time and and um, really, I want um, challenging my previous belief systems about time. I was working at a university, and I had to be there at nine o'clock. But I like to be there fifteen minutes early, so I wanted to be there at eight forty-five every day. And being a researcher, I decided that I was going to, um, for a year, I was going, every day I went to work, I was going to record the time by taking a picture on my phone of the clock in the office, the the lobby office, not my personal office, to see what time, it said when I walked in the door, no matter what time I left home. So it was about a 20-minute drive from my house to the university. So some days I would leave by my, my the clock on my phone. I would leave maybe 40 minutes early. And I would walk in the door and it would say 845. And some days I would leave the house at 8.42 and I would walk in that door and the clock would say 8.45. And so I played with it. I would purposefully try to be late, you know, like leave the house at 8.42 and that clock always said 8.45 and the clock was functioning fully functional. It wasn't that the clock was just stuck at 8.45 either because when the time changed, uh, I a couple of times happened to see the office gal change the clock back because it needed to be done that way. So I do believe that I, I was playing with time. Mm. I believed I would get there at 8.45 every day, and for a year I did. Then I just assumed that I was going to be there at 8.45, and it didn't really matter, and I didn't panic about it, and I didn't, you know, there's no anxiety. You know, my mornings were so stress-free because I knew I'd get there at 8.45 and everything would be fine. So what's mm-hmm. the difference? Why,
0: why can some people do that and some people, I guess, in their, you know, I, I sort of believe everyone can do that, but why
1: would, why would some people be able to do that and others not? I think you're right. I think it's belief. I think that some people... um Feel very safe and very comforted by the social constructs that our world has—they have been born into, and that that they agree to, um, and they don't want to.
0: Mm. And and
1: honestly, a lot of people that I know, and my family members included, say are emotionally fed by the belief that the past was terrible and unchangeable and the future then in turn will be terrible and unchangeable. So I think there's some of that as well. Mm. But I also think that on the the, the other side of that coin is that people love their lives. And they're very happy with all the control that they believe they have. And they need to control time. They believe that controlling their time and energy are things that empower them, that they can do. That's the only thing they have control over. So they need to do that. And for them, they need to. And I'm not criticizing them. I personally... I'm not comfortable trying to control time that doesn't exist.
0: <laughs> it seems when you make the transition, oh, that's not quite right, I guess, because we are spiritual beings, but for me I sort of term that there's, there's like the ego that lives in the physical world and then there's our spiritual being which is sort of like that soul knowing. And in my experience, when you're born, well, maybe not when you're born, but at some point you get embedded in that physical world and in that egoic world. And then to come back to that spiritual space, even though you're already there, if that makes sense, but to, to let go of that physical world and um, stop or I guess expand your mind out of the box requires um, like there's a lot of unknowns in that, isn't, isn't there? But, but in, in saying that at the same time as that there is unknowns, once you open up and allow the space for the unknowns, you realise that there are knowns. It's just like at a deeper level. Is, do, do you understand what I'm talking about? Like, do you... I do. Have you had that experience? Like, do you think people need to be... to let go of that control and, and embrace the unknown to be able to, I guess, collaborate with the spirit and work together rather than being stuck in that physical world and then just pushing through that physical world?
1: Well... I see it a little differently, I guess, in that um, I think the thing that they need to let go of is fear, and the thing that they need to embrace is love. Mm-hmm. It's it's the, the ego is fear-driven, right? And Jungian, Jungian psychology um, gives us a lot of information about that. Um, if people are interested in in going into that. Um, but fear, ego, is very fear based and that the ego's job is to protect our bodies and our psyche. Um, and so I think that's where a lot of the beliefs about the physical, um, and fears about the physical um, and in my opinion the fear of death is one of the, the biggest things that keep people from um, experiencing a, the kind of open free liberation pure love existence that I'm experiencing. The fear of death is what keeps people focused on the physical, where love is liberating and helps you focus on life.
0: So how do you get over the fear of death? Like, you know, obviously you've had to go through quite an experience That to reach that point. Is it, are you able to reach that point without going through that sort of experience,
1: do you think? Probably, I couldn't. (laughs) Uh, My mind and heart was not willing to learn that um, lesson in a different way. I guess I'm. I feel gratitude to my husband for helping me learn that lesson. Uh, And in a time, I don't want to say time because I don't believe in time, but in a way that I am able to love and experience this type of joy in living Mm. in this physical experience um i don't i don't think there's one answer for everyone i think there's i think there's many ways to learn everything Mm. and we choose how we're not going to learn which cuts down the options of ways to learn. (laughs) So I don't know that it's necessary, but I do find, and I think there's some evidence for the near-death experience. People in writing about near-death experience and spiritual mediums have a lot of lessons for people that are living. But I think there's kind of a theme there a little bit about learning through death you're either your own or someone else's Mm. I don't know that that answers your question but I don't know that there is actually an answer yeah do you
0: have a a daily or weekly or like a go-to spiritual
1: practice um so I think of it as a spiritual menu (laughs) uh as a creative person routine can sometimes be a real creative killer a creativity killer so and and I think that my practices like meditation journaling um, cards pulling cards they can become that routine takes the spark out of them some after you they become drudgery or they become you know have to Mm. And instead uh, and it cuts off the flow of spirit and knowing. Mm. So I like, uh, I like a menu. So I have probably seven or eight things that I do in combination, rarely separately, mostly in, in a different, in a different combina- in different combinations to. Um, Stay in tune with spirit and that helps me stay joyous and detached and blissful and peaceful and <laughs> and everything that I am mm. so do you want me to name some of those things that are on my menu
0: yeah that would be great
1: so a lot of the creative things um creative expression. So writing, I do daily pages, um morning pages, Julia Cameron's um artist's way practice. I do them I do them a lot. Like I will go 10 11 months where I do them every day and then I feel like oh I have to do them again, you know. I just don't have it in me this morning. So I take a break and I might take a break for a couple months and three months, depends on what's going, what chaos is going on in in the world that I need to write about or not. And so I journaling, write Morning pages through morning pages are three handwritten pages of um, free flow consciousness. So that's one of the things that I will do. Other creative things, painting, sketching, singing, music is really important. To my spiritual um, well being. Also, things like yoga, walking in nature. I'm very fortunate to live close to one of the most beautiful beaches in the world, so I spend a lot of time there. Currently, it's in the water because that's all the mayor will allow us to do is be in the water, so that's fine, I'll be in the water. Also, things like gardening, getting my hands in the dirt, even if it's just to pull a weed or two, talking to plants, pets, animals are really important. Uh, I don't have any pets, but they have me. They find me. All of the neighbor animals find me and come and share their love with me. Meditation um, meditation's a big one. So meditation looks like a lot of different things. And some of them I have learned from you. So, you know, not just sitting or lying and trying to have a clear mind, but guided meditations, walking meditations. When I first started my meditation practice, oh gosh, more than 20 years ago, I found the only place I had enough privacy and Free of distractions was the bathtub. So I started my meditation practice with 15 minutes in the bathtub. Um, cards are important. Sometimes I pull a card a day, sometimes it's more like at the moon cycles, the full moon and the new moon, um candles, you know, all that woo-woo stuff. <laughs> which which I totally embrace. Readings, there's some Daily um, inspirational, spiritual, even religious um, readings that I read.
0: I really love your setup up in, in reading the cards in that, like, you ha- make sure that you have all of the elements, don't you, with the you get a bit of rock or something
1: for the earth and some water. <laughs> yeah, I do. Wind, fire, earth, water. It's to the point where I'm, I'm, I was chuckling because I'm sitting here going, yeah, I did that unconsciously. <laughs> I've got my water. I've got my little piece of rosemary. <laughs> I've got my sand. I've got my feather for air. I've got a fan on. I've got a candle on. Yeah, unconscious now. You are one of the first people that I've come across that
0: has done that. It's amazing how everyone has their own sort of little technique, I guess, in grounding themselves and connecting. And I really love that you've shared with us a bunch of your different spiritual practices because mm-hmm. for me this morning as well, I got up and did some yoga and the last couple of weeks has been a little bit of a struggle for me actually getting up and doing my morning routine. And I think the combination of it, you know, it's been winter here and it's cold and who wants to get up when it's dark and cold? Yeah. You know, you snuggled in bed with someone nice and warm and I've got some renos mm-hmm. and stuff going on at the moment, which is sort of taking a lot of time. So I think there's a few things that have yeah. come out of that for me in that it does, it takes discipline and prioritising mm-hmm. your attention to make sure that you do connect but also that gentleness about it in in that recognising that um, and I guess I've learned this through my meditation too in that it's okay to fall off the bandwagon or to, you know, if you are meditating to start thinking about something. It's about catching it and bringing it back and figuring out, well, what works for you so if, if this, if the, at the moment getting up early in the morning and doing yoga for me doesn't work, doesn't mean that I have to throw it out the window. It is pulling out that menu and thinking, okay, well, during the afternoon it's sunny and I can go for a walk and feel the sunshine on my face and the, the fresh mm-hmm. air blowing mm-hmm. out and feel my feet on the ground and just take some time to be present. And as I've been doing the house renovations I've been listening to a lot of Wayne Dyer actually um oh yeah just fills me up and inspires me and just really connects me and even though you know I've listened to the same thing again and again Mm -hmm. and again there's always something to learn so you always take something different
1: Yeah. And and I I want to mention the most important spiritual practice, and that is connection with other people, because you can't live a, a spiritual life or grow in your spiritual well-being without other people. That's what other people, that's why there's so many of us on the planet. We're all here to help each other and empower each other and confront each other, because confrontation. And, and that's one of the things that I think is so wonderful about the world right now is people are bumping up against each other and confronting each other. And we're having to question what we believe. What is our reality? How, what kind of a person am I? Do I really believe what's being broadcast on social media and regular media and, and just the words that come out of people's mouths? Do I believe that? Do I believe they believe that? Mm-hmm. it's It's a wonderful time for spiritual go- growth. And you know i I heard someone yesterday talking about, you know, all this negativity just can't be good for anyone. I'm like, well, it can be. It can be if it helps you confront and challenge who you are and what you're believing. And, and if that person's trigger triggering you, then look inside and figure out what about you is, is that triggering? What do I need to heal? What do I need to work on? Is that my shadow self? Is that, you know, what archetype are they playing in, in my life right now? It's, it's a great time for growth. Everybody's growing. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we can stick our head in the sand and, and not grow. But that's the biggest the biggest danger of isolation Mm. if everything once being isolated they're not having to confront themselves or their neighbors or their own prejudice or their own beliefs or their own goals and values this is a huge time to be questioning and challenging our values
0: yeah and growth oftentimes is uncomfortable isn't it yeah it has to be or we wouldn't
1: grow Everywhere you look in nature, you see examples of change that is difficult, uncomfortable, painful, and necessary. Mm. Change does not happen in a in a recliner watching Netflix. Change does not happen that way, and growth doesn't happen that way. Growing pains are for a reason. Yeah, it's a good thing, and we need to embrace that. Yeah
0: because we are nature it comes back to what we're talking about before we are spirit we are nature we see ourselves separate but we're not exactly and we're going through a huge evolution at the moment with like you say all the challenges that we're all facing it's it needs to be quite big to shake us up because we really were going down a path that was not sustainable and the intelligence mm-hmm. of the whole system can see that and and it will it will change things up to for it to work but in saying that it would also be i guess egotistic of me to think that the world wouldn't survive without humans but the world will continue <laughs> on it will be
1: a different yeah well and and you know if we're, we're going to go go down that rabbit hole i mean there's there's geological, as you know, being having been a geologist, there's geological and archaeological evidence that many civilizations on this planet have been wiped out before, and human beings come back, um, and it's a cycle. So, yes, the planet will survive, and there will be a few hunter-gatherers who survive, and... We'll come back to build a civilization again, but yes, this is this is a messy part, mm. you know. And I, I've heard conversations about, you know, how can our civilization just be destroyed? You know, or or you know, what happened? And all I have to say is Machu Picchu. Look at all the abandoned ancient civilizations that are just gone. It can't happen, people. <laughs> it can't happen happened before and you're pretty naive to think that it's not going to happen again it may not be in the next 10 years or 20 years or 50 years or 100 years but it can happen
0: is that tied into the fact of our fear of death like you know we all know we're going to die one day but it's like we all just assume that we're going to live forever
1: yeah well yes and part of that is uh Societal and cultural mm. that we have evolved, our culture has evolved to that most people have never even seen a dead person or watched someone die. You know, and infant mortality rate is low, and and we are so uncomfortable with death that we put our oldies in prisons, basically, mm. so we don't have to watch them deteriorate, mm. um, and we don't have to have it under our nose. And we're all trying to, you know, look. 30 again or trying to be younger. Mm. And a lot of that is because we're uncomfortable with death, but it is the only inevitable thing we can, we can be assured of Mm. is we're all going to die. We're all dying every month, you know, every day, time that doesn't exist, but our bodies are dying. The thing that is the essence of us isn't dying. It can't die. It will never die. Mm. It's interesting
0: my partner being Indian and I guess mm-hmm. growing up in that Hindu culture where they, well, I guess India, yeah. right, like death is all around them. They can't escape that. But he was telling me right. when he was a little boy, his grandfather passed away and part of their culture that the men go to the cremation and he was given the honour yeah. of lighting the body. This is quite graphic, so I apologise if this were to upset anybody. Um, But he was talking about, you know, the skull burning and the teeth being the last thing and they then take the teeth out. And, you know, he was a young boy when this happened. And I just found it really fascinating that had that happened to somebody in our culture, like, they would be traumatised going through therapy, whole life seeing that sort of thing. Whereas for him it
1: was, it was an honour. Mm-hmm. That's a beautiful example of cultural differences and the fear of death. It's a mm-hmm. perfect one.
0: You mentioned before about the importance of people and connecting with people and that they're here to help us grow and learn as well. And you, you were talking about archetypes. And I just wanted you to... And a little bit on that because some people may not be familiar with that term and, and what that means.
1: Archetypes are so I'm gonna refer you to the works of Carolyn Miss, M Y S S, and Joseph Campbell and Carl Jung, the Swiss psychologist. They have done a lot of work about archetypes in myths and legends. So there are they're kind of like Personality traits, like, so the wicked stepmother is the archetype, okay? So sometimes in our lives or our personalities, we exhibit those characteristics of a wicked stepmother, whether you're male or female, doesn't matter. But some people take on that that wicked stepmother character in their personalities. And there's the hero and the heroine are archetypes. Um, you know, you're the mother, father, builder, architect. There's all different kinds of, of archetypes that are played out in personalities and, and stories. The um, comic book storylines are full of archetypes. Um, the hero's journey um, is the, the playing out of the arc of the archetype of the hero.
0: So we all have different archetypes too right like we can it's sort of not necessarily that you're one and that's it for your life like you can almost call on the archetype so if you had an event that you were going to that you were nervous about or what something I don't know where you felt like you needed more courage you could call on that warrior archetype
1: yep you can you can do that and that's why story is so important and you do take on different archetypes throughout your, your lifespan. Here we go, the time again. But <laughs> people choose them, they can choose or they fall into those archetypes, the, the child archetype. Um, there are many people who, of all ages, who are still playing out that child archetype. That's that Peter Pan syndrome. You know, people who don't want to ever grow up. They don't want to ever take on responsibility. They don't want to ever make adult decisions. That's an example of the child archetype. There are other people who have a parent, a mother or father archetype through all the stages of their life. Like, for example, I know many seven or eight-year-old little girls who take on that mother archetype and boss everybody around, even the adults in their lives. So yeah, archetype is just a way of explaining different aspects of personalities. Mm. What archetype would you be?
0: <laughs> well, that's a loaded question. <laughs> oh, no, I just wondered, like, I'm just wondering, what are, who would I be? Like and I guess it you know it could change context um, depending, but
1: yeah, i just wondering who are you and um, who would I be? Well, I guess The the one that I have chosen and fallen into most often throughout my life has been the teacher, and the reverse of that, the student. So the student and the teacher archetypes, I feel very comfortable in Mm. both sides of those. Um, There's also shadow archetypes, which are the negative aspects of some of those things. So. Maybe like the cheater archetypes, but someone who's cheating their way through their education might be might be an example of that, um, or the the bum, the derelict who doesn't have any motivation or doesn't um, really want to learn anything. The the dunce kind of archetype, I guess, would be a shadow of that. Mm. But um, so we all have both. Archetype and the shadow archetype, yeah. I think of them as as a pie. <laughs> so you might have a little wedge of a shadow, a couple of shadow archetypes, but most of your pie is filled up with a big chunk of, you know, the mother archetype or the hero archetype or the, the carer, the nurse, the doctor archetype. I'm trying to think of what, what archetype. You're such a free spirit and and easygoing. I don't know. But... I
0: wonder when you said teacher. I feel like that sort of resonated with me a little bit when we were talking about self, because I feel like yeah. in all the roles that I've carried out, I'm always empowering the people around me and teaching them what I know so that they can um, I guess we can work as a team really together, you know, because I I'm yep. learn as well because, you know, that, that they know things that I don't know. So that right. resonated with me and it was interesting. One of the, one of the insights that I've received um, over the last couple of years, which I guess I'm starting to step into a little bit more, was that I am a, a spiritual teacher. And when I first mm-hmm. was given that information, I was a bit taken back. I was like, I'm I'm not good enough to do that, my old friend. I'm not good enough. And, um, mm. But it was such an, a knowing that it's like it doesn't matter what I say or think. So how I've sort of right. got around that is, well, I just do what I do and, and it all sort of seems to be leading me in that direction and, and that's what's coming out. So I guess an important thing to realise too is that you are an archetype but you don't have to know it or be
1: aware of it. Yeah. Um, the, the term hierophant comes up for me when you, when you started talking about that spiritual, spiritual teacher, you know, that... that um, the term, priest or my, or mystic. The priest or mystic who interprets and understands sacred mysteries. Kind of a, a being that the hierophant card kind of came up when I was thinking about that in the tarot about you when you were talking about that. I'm like, oh yeah, she's a hierophant. That's a good one. And and the tarot um, or tarot, however people want to pronounce that, has the figures in the And those are archetypes as well. In the major arcana, they're they're archetypes.
0: Mm. And what's the shadow self? You mentioned that before. and um, Again, it may be a a word that some people are familiar with, some people aren't. And obviously how we articulate things can vary from person to person. What's your version or, or definition of the shadow self?
1: well i when I use that term, I'm referring to the the way Jung describes it in in his psychological treatise um his writings. The shadow self is that part of our self we don't like we can, that is not not constructive that is uh, some people would consider them their demons so a shadow self might be a gambler, or some with a, someone with an addictive personality would take on that shadow archetype. You know, a gambler could be positive, being a risk taker, but there's, the gambler could also be that person who gambles away the grocery money. So the the shadow self is the negative aspects of our personality that are not productive. Some people would say it's use the term it's our dark side some people would say it's it's you know the evil in us that we're trying to get rid of that we need to rise above we need to conquer
0: Mm. when you were talking there it, it reminded me of the strengths profile that i do looking at positive psychology and that we all have strengths but we have the potential to overplay those strengths which creates a shadow strength side i guess Um, So, for example, maybe it might, so one of my top strengths is adventure. And if I overplay Uh that strength, then, so adventure being willing to take risks. So if I overplay that strength, it could potentially create havoc in my life. So it's sort of being aware right. of what they are so that you can dial it up or dial it down and find the sweet spot. And I guess that awareness is just so powerful, isn't it, that when you explore yourself and your full self and explore that shadow side, then you become friends with it, I suppose, or, or know when it's dialed up too much and it's
1: time to, to bring it back down. Yeah, asking yourself, is, is this serving me? Um, I often say I'm, you know, being present in the present moment because that's all we have is right now is my greatest strength and my greatest weakness. You know, because when I'm with you I'm 100%, 100% present with you. However, everybody else who wants a piece of me is doesn't not happy with me because I'm not paying attention to them. <laughs> and, and things can, you know, slip your mind when you're always in the present I don't often remember everything because it's not right now (laughs) and the past is you know I don't believe in the past so it's gone and I don't go back and visit it and I so yeah it makes practical life and meeting everybody's expectations a little messy being in the living in the here and now (laughs) but uh what I'm really good at so (laughs) fortunately people love me and are very forgiving Thank you for letting it, inviting me to have a lovely conversation about things that I don't talk about with many people. <laughs> um, it's nice to have a have a deep or high, however, whichever direction you want to think about it, kind of conversation, especially in in things that are going on in in the world that we can't control nor do I believe we should even try to because they don't exist. But anyway, that's another topic. Um, With this way of looking at time and space and being myself, this pure being, allows detachment from all of the things that at the moment many people are identifying fully with. But I do not identify with it, so I can keep that blissful, happy, peaceful detachment. Mm.
0: Well, before I let you go, I just want to ask: yeah. what's what's one book that you would recommend to people, or what like what's a book that's really helped you on your spiritual journey? Mm. One
1: book. I know that's a tough call, isn't it? It is. Um, Well, I will say, and I will apologize right now to listeners who might be offended by foul language, and I believe that the use of this word is appropriate and descriptive of my feeling and experience, is that... Uh, Deepak Chopra's book, You Are the Universe, You Are the Universe by Deepak Chopra, was an absolute mindfuck. I read that book and didn't even know how to think about that book. However, it it challenged me. It challenged my beliefs about time, space, reality, purpose, feelings, thoughts existence, quantum physics. uh, Everything that I believed at the time was real. So if you, if you're listeners or if you're interested in challenging some of the things I've talked about and you're at a place in your life where none of this malarkey makes sense. I can't even believe that it actually is happening or it is existing then that might be a good place to start by reading that book Mm. you are the universe by Deepak Chopra I won't say I like it and I won't say I hate it but it it will challenge your assumptions about reality
0: can't wait to sink my teeth into that one (laughs) yeah It's such a freeing place, isn't it, when you welcome that challenge and that embrace and willingness to have your mind blown.
1: Yeah. I, I didn't really go into it thinking wanting that. However, about five pages in, I went, oh, okay, here I go. And there I went. Yeah.
0: Just even thinking about, again, what's going on for me at the moment with the renovations in that like noticing that I get something caught in my head like um, maybe I have to clean it this way or whatever and then just, just expanding your mind in that, well, what else can you do? What else could you do? Or maybe it will be okay. Like maybe you don't have to. Just entering that world of possibility is just incredible. And so when you find books or uh, um, wisdom like that that expands your brain like I just I'm just like a sponge I love like open me up (laughs) crack me open Mm. yeah well thank you so much for spending this time with me and and expanding my mind and hopefully the mind of everybody else that's listened to this um i I just I do love our conversations, and one of the reasons why I have started this podcast is that I feel like there's a real yearning out there at the moment. People are wanting more; they're they're looking to grow and expand and spiritually evolve. But with the old way of being, I, I suppose, or, or
1: mm.
0: how yeah. it's conditioned, people think that they're alone in that, and so I'm really grateful that you were able to have this conversation with me because I know that it's going to help other people out there to grow and learn and expand and and that's a beautiful gift that you've helped me impart in the world and create in the world today. So thank Um, you very much.
1: It's my pleasure and I agree with you. We need to stop limiting our thinking and our beliefs about what the world can be
0: yeah, I think we focus so much on on how it already is or what we don't want that we forget to create what can be. you're exactly right. So Denise, because uh-huh. you are a writing coach, where' and an, and an editor, where if people are wanting to are feeling that calling of writing something, how can they get in contact with you?
1: Sure um, I've got a feast page, Denise Winkler, Life Coach for Writers. Feel free to um send me a message on there. Um, And I can that's a good way, good initial place to get started there. Yeah.
0: Beautiful. Well thank you again for being you and um allowing people to share their stories both by leading the way in sharing your own so openly and honestly and also for allowing other people to share their stories through their own writing and accepting who they are, however they are. Uh, the world would be a beautiful place if we could all have that sort of heart and open mind that you have. So thank you so much.
1: Oh, thank you. It's been my pleasure. Thank you, Jess.